right. Well, welcome back to the Pew, folks. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm glad to be with you again, bringing another one of these bonus episodes. You know, mostly, most of the time, the po- the podcast is uh, recorded just audio version, but here lately, we've been doing a lot of these video interviews, and they've been great. We've had on guys like Bill Donahue and Dr. Bob Schutz, and now today, I'm very happy to have on a friend of mine, Jason Everett, and I'll be bringing him up here in just a second. But first, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Jason. I'm sure a lot of you know who he is, but I wanted to share some of his bio, and Jason has traveled to six continents to bring the message of purity to more than 1 million people over the past 20 years, including World World Youth Days in Australia, Spain, Poland, and Panama. He's also lectured at a ton of universities, including Harvard and Princeton. Uh, He has a master's degree in theology, an undergraduate degree in counseling and theology with a minor in philosophy at Franciscan, and he's the uh, best-selling author of 15 books. And a couple of those books that are my favorites are The Theology of the Body in One Hour, this book really helped me out uh, to understand something that I'd never read before um, and really helped me out in my uh, journey through John Paul's teaching. And then also this book, St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves, was one of uh, one of the best books I've ever read. I really enjoyed learning those things about uh, John Paul II. Also, uh, he's got a new book out, which we're going to talk about today some with Matt Frad called Forged. And you know, Jason and his wife, Kristalina, have started the Chastity Project, and you can see everything they're doing at chastity.com. Uh, Jason's just been an inspiration to so many people over the years, and I just can't wait to do this interview today. So I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to go ahead and bring him up, and we're going to get started. Jason, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too. Well, Jason, I mean, chastity is something, obviously. I mean, this is what you do every day in your life, and all you have to do is look around the culture for just a minute and see how how badly it's needed. Um, you know, never. I, I've got three young children at the age of, of 11, and I worry all the time about the things that are, what's on TV when I'm not in the room, what's on these video games they want to play, what is, what's going on at school, what's being said. It's just almost um, just, just suffocating to see all this in the world that is anti-chastity and just telling people, do what you want, right, with your bodies and, and treat people the way you want to and all of that. And, you know, what, what is your message to that? Because I know, like, one thing I like to ask a lot of people when I have them on here and when I look at their ministries is, you know, what what brought you to this? Like, what uniquely, Jason, in your life brought you to chastity? Because it could have been anything, right? God could have called you to, uh, obviously, you're talented to talk about a lot of things and to spread a message of certain things. But what brought you specifically to chastity? And what role do you think it plays in the world today with all the stuff I just mentioned? Yeah, well, I mean, it's at the root of so much. I mean, if this part of a person's life is not in the right spot, um, I mean, it, it, it's a dumpster fire, <laughs> to put sure. it briefly. And, you know, and, I, and I've seen it, you know, for 20-something years as I've traveled around the world talking on the subject. And, you know, where it kind of started was when I was in college. I started leading high school retreats, and the kids would open up to me about all the stuff they're going through. And, I mean, it's heavy stuff. And they had no direction when it came to just God's plan for human love and chastity and how to start mm-hmm. over. At the same time, I was doing three years of sidewalk counseling at an abortion clinic in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, meeting women who are having an abortion in 45 minutes. And you just, I just started feeling late. Like, why am I meeting this woman now? Like, mm-hmm. why couldn't I have met her when she was 16 years old? And maybe if she learned about chastity then, she never would have dated this creep to begin with and would be in this tough situation. <laughs> so I realized I got to go upstream. I'm like throwing sandbags on the bl- banks of a flooded river when there's a dam busted a quarter mile upstream. I'd rather, instead of addressing the supply of abortion, go to the demand of it. Like, where's this coming from, which is on chastity? And if I could sure. start to heal that a little bit, maybe we could dry up this stream. And, and so we would need this. 
And so started speaking at the high schools and churches and conferences, and it just snowballed. And uh, I've been doing it now for 20-plus years, and it's it's more God's gift to me than it is mine to Him. And I absolutely mm-hmm. just love the joy of getting to b- bring people the good news of God's plan for human sexuality. Right. No, that, that's, that's beautiful, and that's amazing that you would see that need and then go and start trying to head off like you said, before before the problem, and you can't do anything after the fact, but certainly you could get in there and make a difference before it happens. Did you struggle at all in, in your upbringing or in your, in your life with chastity at a young age too? Was this something that was a, an issue for you that sort of led you to that? Well, that's the nice thing. As a man, I've never struggled with chastity my whole life. It's just come naturally to me. <laughs> no, yeah. Sure. We're all in this together, big time. Uh, so, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I grew up, and, uh, you know, found pornography when I was a little kid. And, you know, my buddies yeah. had it in the neighborhood and your friends had it at school and your cousins. And, you know, you're hooked on that junk, you know, even before I even knew how babies were made. I was finding that sure. stuff in the neighborhood. And it just it just distorts you and it emasculinizes you. I think it was Thomas Aquinas defined effeminacy as a man's refusal to let go of what's pleasurable in order to do what's arduous or difficult. Mm. And it's porn is just making us an effeminate culture of men. And I didn't realize it was happening to me growing up, but how soft it just makes you just spiritually yeah. and it comes to your character. And so, I mean, technically I got married as a virgin. So, okay, mm-hmm. you got to save that. Everything else goes. And sure. It was just a real messed up notion. You know, it's like, if it's a mortal sin, I don't want to do it. If it's a venial sin, well, I don't want to miss it. You know, just really the <laughs> wrong way to look at all that stuff. Sure. And it was a very gradual, gradual process. It wasn't like an overnight lightning bolt kind of thing. Just different experiences I had throughout my life of, you know, like dating girls and then it not working out and staying friends with them and then going to some of their weddings and oh, wow. realize like, wow, you know, that's not my wife. You know, I did this yeah. stuff with that guy's wife and, you know, maybe wow. she was never mine to begin with, no matter how much I knew that we were meant to be. And then it just started wow. making me think, well, how should a guy be courting a woman? You know, thinking, well, we're meant to be together. We can still do this stuff. Uh, you know, so it's a real gradual process of evolution, breaking free from that porn, and then just learning how to love women in a chaste way. Sure. And it's, I mean, I, I can I can sympathize with that a lot because, I, you know, I went to college. I was a young guy at one time in my life, too. And there's a lot of things I can look back on my life and just I wasn't proud of because I just... I didn't, I didn't understand. I mean, I had a, an upbringing in the Baptist church, so I was 18 years old, and I knew what was right and wrong. But you can be so easily convinced at that young age of, of um, that you're right, not really hurting anybody, you're not hurting yourself, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. But, I mean, as you know better than anybody probably now, you've been doing this for 20 years, that's just lies from the devil, and it, it's, it's a lie to take away um, your, your purity and a lie to, to get you to do things that you're really not, you, you don't need to and, are, and aren't supposed to be doing. Um, and it brings up another point. You know, a lot of guys that I talk to on my show um, or, or that call in or email in that want us to talk about different subject matter. One thing they always talk about with chastity that always I found interesting is a lot of guys think chastity is something that just happens before you're married, right? Like chastity is no 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 mar- uh, sex before marriage. But once you're married, you know, you don't have to worry about that anymore because you're married and you're only with one woman. So mm-hmm. chastity isn't a big deal anymore. And I get that a lot from guys. And I'm like... Man, that's not accurate. Could you talk to that a little bit about about that confusion? Because there are a lot of men that send that in and go, "Well, what do you mean be chased? I'm married. I'm 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 already committed to one woman. How how else can I be chased?" Yeah, I mean the confusion happens in not understanding just the definitions of the words: abstinence, mm-hmm. celibacy, chastity. You know, and that like potato, potato. It's like, well, no, sure, <laughs> celibacy actually literally means the state of not being married. That's what word celibacy means. Mm-hmm. Um, abstinence means just the absence of sex. 
Um, chastity is a fuller notion. It's not some, so much the absence of something, but the presence of purity mm. of heart, which applies to us all, no matter what our state in life is. And when it's confused, you, know, you don't understand the differences. I remember one mom came to one of my talks once and she said, yeah, I was coming to your talk tonight. And my husband said to me, well, where are you going? And she said, oh, I'm going to the chastity talk. And he said to her, well, don't get any ideas while you're there. Well, you know, that's a little misunderstanding. Yeah. It doesn't mean no sex. It means sure. you use the gift of sex according to God's plan for it. And so well, what's God's plan for sex? Well, it's, it's your wedding vows made flesh so that when you made those promises on the altar that love would be free and total and faithful and open to life, well, then you went off to your honeymoon and you spoke those vows in and through your body. And so that mm. way, each time a husband and a wife become one flesh, Flesh, it should be a renewal of those wedding vows, which means, you know, it's free. It's not coerced. It's not manipulated. It's not driven by addiction and lust. Like a wife is not an outlet for your sexual needs. It's mm -hmm. a free gift of self. It's total. You hold back nothing of yourself, not even your fatherhood. It's faithful, not just with your body, but with your imagination. You know, I know of some guys are like, well, you know, to get, you know, excited for sex, I got to look at a little bit of pornography and then, you know, I'm ready to sure. be with my wife. Well. No, that's adultery. That's unfaithfulness. Mm -hmm. You're bringing that in your heart. And then also fruitful. It's ordered towards the giving of human life. It's never sterilized or contraceptive. And, you know, this might seem like, oh, my goodness, a bunch of rules. But, you know, this is just the renewal of our vows. It's speaking the truth right. in and through our bodies. And if a man can be chaste, then what John Paul II says he gives his wife is what Eve had with Adam originally, all the peace of the interior gaze that she yeah. knows when he looks at her. He's not looking at her as something to be used for his gratification. He sees her as his respected and beloved companion, that the beauty of her body reveals his call to love her rightly, as opposed to her body being an invitation to lust. And the woman is just given this internal radar to perceive how a man mm. looks at her. And if she perceives that, that, that lust, that selfishness, she naturally recoils from that. It's a block yeah. to intimacy. And so chastity isn't so much the absence of passion or desire, but the presence and the capacity to love with purity of heart. Yeah, if I recall correctly, the catechism actually says something like it's an apprenticeship and self-mastery, I believe, is the, is the term it uses. And I think that's where guys sometimes fall into the, into the trouble that we have, is, is not being able to master themselves, right? They, they, they can't separate these things. And they start to um, to fall into these behaviors like watching pornography or or looking at things like you said to get excited for for uh, sexual intercourse or whatever with your wife. But you know, one thing that that I know uh, a lot of guys have have mentioned to me is that they don't think or they don't have the knowledge, or at least no one's ever sat down and talked to them about this is cheating on your wife. I, I remember um, one day I was in prayer, and you know, and I'd struggled with this, you know, for a time in my life too. I'm I'm not. There's nothing different about me either. I struggle too. But the uh, the thing that came to me in prayer is that I'd gone to confession and I, you know, obviously confessed this to, to the priest and received absolution. And I, you know, I knew what I had done myself and I and I forgave myself. But there was one other person in that in that that was hurt in that 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 had no idea what had gone on. And I remember I went to my wife and I told her, I said, "Look, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but but I, I fell uh, to the sin of pornography and to impurity of self and." I, like I just feel like I owe you an apology and I need to share this with you and man like at first she was not happy with me you know she was just sort of like why are you telling me this and I'm so hurt by this but I kind of looked at it and said you know do you want to be married to a husband that wouldn't want to share this to you like with you it's not to hurt you it's just to tell you that I, that I struggled and I want you to be aware of my struggles and uh in this way and, and not 
asking anything of you other than I just want to be honest with you. And, you know, she came back to me a couple hours later, and even though she still was a little bewildered by it, she just said, you know, I really appreciate you coming to me and, 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 and sharing that with me and feeling so open with me. I don't know. I've said that to a lot of guys, and some guys, they get afraid of having that kind of conversation with their wife. But how does that play into, like, how, what kind of conversations should we have with our spouses about things that we're struggling with and chastity and lust and stuff like that? Well, ideally, when you get married, you want to be marrying your best friend, right? And, sure. and I don't really recommend that like when you're dating that your girlfriend is your accountability partner. I mean, sure. I think guys need other good men in their life in order to be that. So iron can sharpen mm -hmm. iron. But in the same respect, you can't be hiding stuff. I mean, some of this stuff can actually be an impediment to forming a sacramental bond. Sure. If you're hiding enough of a baggage, enough baggage that she doesn't even know what she's getting into here. And so there needs to be a level of transparency because like intimacy can be defined as into me see. And yeah. that's not just looking into each other's hearts and warm, fuzzy, cuddly, whatever stuff. It's like, I'm going to show you my brokenness too. Like, I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest with you and transparent with you. And, you know, we got to wrestle through this together because I don't want to, if you're being loved for something that you're not, it isn't love. You know, if you have to yeah. wear a costume 24 seven, how close yeah. can you get to somebody? If you're not, if you're only showing them like, Hey, I've got, I'm the upstanding church guy. It's got it all together. It's like, <laughs> yeah. man, you get a lot closer to your wife. If you kind of revealed some of your brokenness and you work through that together, if that means going to counseling, well, get your tail to counseling, you know, like yeah. good marriages are not the result of an absence of differences and difficulties and crosses. Mm. It's just the resolution of the spouse to fight through that junk when it comes to the surface, because it's, it's going to come to the surface. And, sure. you know, our spouses often serve as like the sandpaper of sanctity, right? I mean, just just uh, the, uh, rubbing off those root, yeah. rough edges and bringing our faults to the surface like oil and water. And when that happens, it's it's humbling. It's just like, hey, before I got married, I thought I was a pretty patient guy. I'm a pretty good listener. I, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And then you get married. I'm not you selfish get, like, at all. Like, oh, I, got, I got a ways to go. So. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, and the thing that I think hurts women the most and, and that guys uh, don't understand is when we hide these things and then it all comes to light at some time, right? Like you, they find a phone or they, you know, they, they find something on Facebook you were doing maybe with an old high school or an old girlfriend or something. Like I've had so many guys that I've been in contact with and men's groups I've led that it just seems to that that's what happens. And guys go, I don't understand. Like, I can't believe she left me. And it's like, well, there's a side of you she just found out about that she had no idea about, right? Like about this the, this other side of you that you had hidden. So to your point, yeah, it's so many guys wonder why did I lose my spouse or why did our relationship break or or are we strained now? But it's like when you're not being honest with the other person, what can you expect? You know, when, when you're keeping the other person in the dark about things you have going on. Um, but you mentioned that we need accountability in our life, and you mentioned that specifically guys need guys, and iron sharpens iron. I know you got this new book that's coming out called Forged, or it is out now, I believe, uh, and I know you partnered up with Matt Frad for that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what we can expect from it? Yeah, it actually just came from the printer a couple days ago, so we okay. got it. brand spanking new, so Forge. And what this is is for years, guys have been coming to me saying, hey, you know, I'm messing up my girlfriend. We keep going too far. I'm addicted to porn and masturbation. What do I do? And I'd be like, well you know, look at this website and get that blog and listen to this video and get that mm -hmm. app and try this service and get that filter. Sure. And it was just like hodgepodge, all these other, all these different great things. But I was like, what if I could just put it all in one place and just say, look, here's the deal, do this and, and you're going to find some freedom. And so Matt Frad and I co-authored the book, put this thing together as a 33 day journey. And on day okay. one, you text this, this word to a phone number, 
send in your email on an exchange every day of the 33 days, we're gonna send you a different video. Um, not just from Matt and I, but day one is me and then Matt, but then we got Father Mike Schmitz, we got mm -hmm. Father Jacques Philippe, we've got Sister Miriam James, we've got all these awesome people wow. every day hitting you from a different angle. And it's a truly human approach. And what I mean by that is it isn't just like pray it away. It's like, yeah, we look at the spirituality but, and also the theology, but sure. then the neurology, the psychology, the biology, the physiology, just we have to attack this from all angles. Because if we're just saying, well, it's just a neurological thing, got to retrain your brain and white knuckle it. Well, we're missing mm -hmm. out on grace. What about this sure. part? So we tried to tap into all these fields of expertise and really getting down to the roots. One of the guys we put in the video is a guy named Jay Stringer, and he's a Protestant counselor and pastor, but he wrote a fantastic book called Unwanted. And in mm. it, his premise is that we're going about this like porn recovery, lust addiction stuff all wrong. He said, we're treating it like our desires are the problem. So we've got to just mm. scrub that out. And he said, no, no, no. He said, your deepest sexual fantasies, desires, addictions, all that stuff is a roadmap to your healing. Because wow. if he said, if you can actually listen to it, not to obey it, but listen to it, what is that ache claiming to fulfill in you? Where did that come from? Because there's probably a very legitimate unmet need underneath that yeah. that really needs to get addressed. And if you're throwing out the roadmap of your healing and saying it's shame, 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 mm -hmm. you would make so much more progress by having a little compassion on your brokenness and kindness in, instead of just trying to stuff and repress everything. And so it's a really just profound thought of just like, it doesn't matter how perverse or messed up that thing is, it's saying something, that there's probably something legitimate that needs to get healed underneath this. Because if yeah. we're just treating it like lust is the problem, it's like cutting the leaves off of a weed, we gotta go underneath this thing. Not only just what sure. are the triggers, am I bored, lonely, angry, stressed, tired, but psychologically what's underneath this stuff? Because unless that stuff gets really, that root system gets taken care of, well, it's just gonna continue to manifest and multiply. Sure, well, how do guys get started in this? I mean, do they just get the book and everything comes with it or do they go to your website and sign up at a certain place? How do they get started with it? Yeah, well, one thing we do is we, the website's chastity.com and we sure. only sell these things in pairs because we, okay. we think it's that important that guys find a brother to do this with. So yeah. I'm doing it with my 14-year-old son this week. We're on day 11. Wow. Uh, and so we're doing it together, going through 33 days. I wake him up like 10 minutes early and we do the Lexio Divina. That's part of this. And we do the reading. We watch the video. We talk about it a little bit because dads want to talk to their kids about the stuff. Yeah. But 99% of their dad, dads never had our dads talk to us. So it's sure. like, where do I even begin? It's like, yeah. look, here's the manual. You do it for 33 days. Everything's laid out for you. A lot of dads like, okay, I can do that. Just give me an instruction manual. <laughs> yeah, sure. I can read it. And so the guys can do it in the dorm together high school guys in campus ministry. And so you just go to chastity.com, you get copies of the book, and then you text in. And if you live outside of the US, you just go to chastity.com slash forged, and you can sign mm -hmm. up for the program there. Uh, but but yeah, so we're, we're super pumped up to get this out there. It's already being translated into Spanish right now, and other people wow. are kind of starting to jump on board. But I love the idea that it's changing it from just a book to kind of an interactive experience where you're getting sure. the videos, your God's meeting you where you're falling, you know, maybe on your cell phone. Well, he's meeting you every morning in these videos and the inspiration and things right. like that. So what, a, what an amazing idea. Jason. Oh, I'm sorry. We have one video that has 38 single young women 
talking about how awesome they think it is that guys are fighting this fight. And it's, a, you know, all these girls saying, look, in the very fact that you guys are doing this program, you guys are a cut above the other men in this world, that you're sure. fighting this fight, you're defending love from lust, you're loving your future brides and doing this battle for them. And they, I think it's awesome. So, like, to have a teenage guy or college guy see, like, 38 beautiful single women saying, like, <laughs> this is manly is just it lifts up their hearts. So they're not doing this yeah. out of guilt and repression, but out of love. But it really is too, though. I mean, it, it is what it means to be a man is to be to control your desires, to control your passions, and to be what God's called you to be. And so, I mean, this what a way to practice this. I mean, the world's going to tell you give in to your desires, give in to whatever you want, do whatever you want. That makes you a man. But it's really when you can control those things and master uh, the, these desires, everything else like you're talking about, that really shows you what it means to be a man and a man of God. Uh, Jason, I want to ask you one more question here before we get to the end of, to the end of the interview. I always have this uh, asked of me by several men that are fathers, and you touched on it a second ago with Forged and doing that with your son. But you know, in what ways would you tell parents that they can keep their kids on track? You know, in this world where everything else is out there, where parents have especially when children get into the older teen years where they can drive and stuff like that, where you have such limited time now with your children. You know, you don't have as many touch points as you used to have. How do parents keep their kids on track in this world that just shoves nothing but sexuality and, and all this stuff in their face all the time? I would say just two ideas is, is one is making sure you got an internet accountability set up in your house. Something sure. like CovenantEyes.com is really good. You know, and that'll send you a daily report of what everybody's doing on their screens. And you don't say to your kid, now I'm going to know what you're looking at. You say, we're going to put this on all our computers. You can know what dad's looking at. Dad knows what your sister's looking at. She knows what mom's looking at. We're all in this thing together. Kids sure. can swallow that a lot better than I'm spying on you. It's like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I guess dad's got the same standards I have. Fair enough. Sure. Okay. You know, and so <laughs> that would be a big piece. Second piece is just talking to your kids. And I found as a dad, one of the best times, especially to talk to my daughter, she's 12 years old, uh, mm -hmm. isn't when she gets back from school, isn't in the morning, don't even try, but right before she goes to bed, kind of just mm. plop down, sit at the end of her bed. So how's your day? And it's kind of like you're kind of throwing a little fishing lure out there and just sure. kind of drops in there. You kind of watch the bobber <laughs> and like nine times out of 10, whoop, the bobber goes down and she yeah. just starts talking. Oh, this boy is so annoying in my class. And you wouldn't believe what that. And, and she just starts going and I'm not there to like give her all these pearls of wisdom. It's just like, uh-huh. Oh, then what happened? Oh, how did that make you feel? Oh, seriously, tell me more. <laughs> you know, it, it just, I want her to know she deserves to be heard by a man. She deserves yeah. to be listened to. She deserves to be mm. cherished. And and some of those conversations will go for an hour and a half. And I'm like, it's 1130. You know, you got school at 6. <laughs> you got to go to bed. Going yeah. here um, but but just, just physically being available to them to, to listen to them well. Because if they know you'll listen to them, they'll care more about what you actually have to say. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, Jason, I thank you for coming on today. Um, you know, before we leave here, folks, if you've enjoyed this interview, uh, we're going to go on to our patron platform. We're going to record another video for the people out there that are supporting our ministry here at Pew Ministries at Just a Guy in a Pew. So we invite you to that. If you are not a patron, you can become one at justaguyinapew.com slash support, or you can go to patreon.com slash Ministry. So Jason, again, thank you for spending this time with us. It's, uh, it's amazing to be with you, and it's just an honor to watch you know, all the things that God's doing in your life and through your ministry. Oh, a pleasure to be on. I just ask listeners, please pray for our wife, for my family, and, and our ministry. It mean a lot to us. Sure. And if you want to see more about Jason, then go to chastity.com. You can sign up for Forge there, and you can take advantage of everything else they have there to, to uh, offer you in your battle uh, against the world. So thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you.